Hey, I'm Adam. And I'm Brian. Of Everyone Has a Podcast, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. And now it's time for our feature presentation. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 196, Movies We Watched Way Too Young. I'm Chris McBride, along with Derek Myers, as always. This is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Now, this episode, we're going to talk about something that pretty much every Gen Xer can relate to. Movies that we saw way too young. You know, we've all got them. We've all had them. Movies we shouldn't have watched till we were older, but we watched them anyway. Usually over and over again back in the day. But before we get to that, Derek, what is new in the world of pop culture for you, my friend? Well, I only had a, a little bit of free time this week, so I was only able to take in a couple of new movies. Mm-hmm. And one is very new, and one is a little older. Ooh. The new one, I'll start with the new one. Okay. Please. I saw the brand new release, Dune. Oh, and that's this, the remake of like the one from like 81 or something? No, this is a movie called Dune based on the book by Frank Herbert. Oh, sorry, but, but they made one back in 81, right? Well, I mean, you could... It had the title Dune, but it didn't really hold true to the original source material. So I don't think you can fairly call this a remake when the first one was not really a, a true adaptation. This new one is, too, wasn't it? Yeah, this yeah. new one is very true to the original subject matter, and it's fantastic. And I did an exceptionally good job of avoiding everything going into this. I had not seen any of the trailers. I had not seen any of the promotional stuff. I I had not even seen the poster. Because I took great pains to not expose myself to any of this stuff. You do that and a lot. You try to avoid I certainly everything going into stuff. Eh? Yeah. And going into the it's movie, cool. it, yeah. the only I only knew the lead actor and the lead actress simply because when the trailer comes on TV in the first two seconds, you see them both. Mm-hmm. And once I recognized them and went, oh, that's Dune, I would change the channel. And so when I went to see the movie, it was completely a blank slate for me as actors appeared on screen. I was thinking to myself, Oh my God, that person's in this. I love that person. Oh geez. That person's a great good casting choice for this. So I didn't know who any of the performers were until I saw them appear on screen. I had no idea what the visuals were going to look like. Um, there, there was so much that was a surprise to me in this movie that just added to the excitement level. And as I often do when I see a movie that I I have avoided the trailers for, when I come home, I watch the trailers online. And oh my God, do they give away so much stuff. So I was so glad that this was another example where I was able to avoid the trailers. I loved it. I honestly, Chris, when I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, this is how this is how I remembered feeling as a little kid when I saw Star Wars for the first time. It's just that the visuals and this world and this technology and the way the characters look and the way that the the structure of the of the hierarchy is done it's like it was just it was original it was something i hadn't seen before it it was it was fantastic i loved it it was 
Ex- I thought it was exceptionally good. The fact that I got to see it in an IMAX theater was just icing on the cake. I know I know it's available on um, HBO Max if you want to watch it in your home theater. I, I mean, personally, I think you're doing the movie a disservice by not seeing it in the theater, but I understand people have reservations. So definitely see this. I think I think if you're a sci-fi fan, you owe it to yourself. This is a, it was a great movie. I loved it. It was fantastic. I can't wait to watch it again. Maybe not in the theater again, but I'm definitely going to watch it as soon as it comes on home video. So that was my new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one. then I saw, I pulled an old one. Oh, so I, from 1985. Oh, I like this. I like where this is going. Yeah. I'm like, this is right at Chris's wheelhouse. This is a film that stars Mikhail Barishnikov and Gregory Hines. And it's called White Knights. White Knights. Yes. Have you seen it? Uh, no, I've seen parts of it and I'm very familiar with it. But it's one of the dancing, right? They're both dancers. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was nominated for um, two Oscars, including original song "Say You Say yeah. Me" by Lionel Richie, which yeah. won the Oscar. It did, and it was nominated for um, uh, the another original song, "Separate Lives" by Stephen Bishop. It obviously you can't win two times in the same category, but uh, it was pretty decent. I remember seeing it years and years and years ago. Um, Watching it now, it was uh, it was a little bit of a you know reminded me a sort of walk down memory lane of when I watched it previously. Um, I real I'm a big fan of Gregory Hines. I mean, I love one of my weird quirks is I love tap dancing. I, I love watching mm-hmm. great dancers performing tap on screen. It's like I just love it, and nobody does it anymore. And it's mm-hmm. like when you see someone who is that good doing it, you're just in awe. And so I I I I. I had a chance to watch it it had Gregory Hines doing his tap it had Baryshnikov I mean not that I'm a big ballet fan but you've got to admire the athleticism that goes into becoming that good a performer and a dancer and and the dance sequences were fantastic so uh, not something that is readily available on the streaming services it was just one of these ones that had been on my PVR for geez got to be almost a year now it was on TV way back when and so I finally sat down and watched it really enjoyed it White Knights from 1985. What's the deal with the ballet dancers wearing those tights? Like, I'm not talking tights. I'm talking like tight tights. What's up with that? That's I don't weird. know, man. But if I if I looked like that, I'd wear the tight tights yeah, too, man. He's not not ashamed of a single thing. But let me tell you. So <laughs> I'm just, no just going to shift there. gears before we go down the wrong. So after we watch this movie, I yeah. thought, you know what I would really like to watch next with Gregory Hines that I haven't seen in forever is... The comedy he did with Billy Crystal called Running Scared. Oh, that's a good movie. That's a good movie. It is not available anywhere. No. I've been trying to find this. Good luck trying to find that one. That's a I hidden gem. Said, yeah, I thought, oh, well, I'll just go to, I'll just go online and buy it from somewhere. I can't even find it for sale. I was yeah. like, wow, what? why isn't this movie available? Was it that bad? Or was like, no, it's, it's quite know. good. But you know what? I in the meantime, in the meantime, no. go back and watch History of the World Part One, because he was in that too. Yes. Yes, he was. So. You know. So you play anyway, those movies. were my those were my two from this week: White Knights from 1985 and the brand new feature Dune. Derek, you'll be proud of me. I've actually got two pop culture things this week I want to share with you, and surprisingly oh. enough, they both involve new stuff. So, first of all, Derek, you and I had the chance to get together this past week, not just virtually either. We actually got together. We went to an NHL hockey game, and then after the game, we went back, and you had a TV episode that you had me watch. It was a new episode of Family Guy. And the plot of the episode basically revolved around the fact that Peter Griffin is obsessed with 80s pop culture. And all the people around him are trying to convince him that it's time just to let it go. You know, that those old movies and TV shows are just outdated. They represent 
a lost generation's values. You know, basically, it's it's time to move on from all that old pop culture stuff. And I couldn't help but think that you were trying to send me a message <laughs> by having me watch this, Derek. Would that be would I be correct in making that assumption? Uh, that might be. It might be. That might be. You know, I know you'd had a couple of beers at that point, so you might be misremembering some of it. But uh, you <laughs> yeah, know, that, if you want to read that into it, I, I won't disagree. That's, that's where that was my takeaway. But uh, and then to round out the week, my wife and I took our sons to the movies. And we went to the theater to see this movie called Ron's Gone Wrong. Have you heard of this? No. Is it animated? It's animated. It, no. It, it was so bad. Like, oh my God. It was awful. Like, terrible characters. Pretty decent premise, I guess. Like, just really poorly executed. So I fell asleep halfway through the movie. Now, I attribute this to the fact that the movie sucked. But in all fairness, it could just be that I'm old. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> My kids thought I was kind of lame for falling asleep in the movie theater. But I think really, according to my kids, I'm lame because I like telling dad jokes. So, so anyway, here we go. Here's your dad joke of the week. I mentioned, Derek, that we got together this past week. But one thing that we didn't do was we didn't go to Fan Expo in Toronto. It was running last week. Yeah, we bumped into some Fan Expo uh, folks on the subway on the, on the, the hockey game, and they That's were right. very friendly. Yeah, very, very friendly. So we didn't go, like I said, but the headliner was Canada's own William Shatner. He was the star of Fan oh, Expo yeah. this year, right? So I, I thought I'd do a William Shatner joke for you, okay? Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> All right. What did the overexcited Star Trek fan do when she met Captain Kirk at Fan Expo? Oh, boy. Uh, she slept with him. I don't know. She shat in her pants. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's pretty good, I got to say. Yes. That's one of your better ones. Oh, yes, baby. <laughs> Where's the strangest place you've ever made whoopee? <laughs> in the That's one of the all-time best unscripted answers ever. I used the F word and I got kicked off my reach for the top team. Using the F word on TV was probably not going to be acceptable. <laughs> Women. Have a couple of drinks. Did you get drunk? I would have won the million dollars. All right, Derek. So you and I got talking recently. And one thing that seems to be a common thread with Gen Xers, and it may be the case for subsequent generations as well. Maybe we'll talk about that later. But there's this fact that there was a bunch of movies that came out back in the 80s that we never should have been watching, at least when we were kids back then. But because of things like the movie channel and HBO and, and VHS tapes and all that stuff, these movies were available to us. And not only did we watch them, but we tended to watch them over and over and over and over again. And and so, like I say, you and I got talking about this. We thought it would make a pretty good, uh, pretty good topic. So, uh, any any thoughts on the topic, just in general, before we dive in? Because we each put together a top five list of movies that we watched way too young, and this is going to be so much fun to get into. I can't wait. Yeah, but the, sort of the only thing I want to say at the top is just, you had mentioned these were movies, you know, in the eighties. But I mean, in theory, it could be any movie that was available when we were younger. True, but yeah. to yeah. your point, in the eighties. Well, you know, when we were growing up, that was when the the VCR came out. That's when cable, you know, movie channels came out. So 
suddenly you had these formats where you had these things readily available and there wasn't enough content. So the content that got thrown at us in some cases was wildly inappropriate for young people. And if your parents were anything like my parents, it, uh, it quickly, uh, you know, became a, a situation where they were just like, Oh, we'll rent you a couple of movies and you'll stay quiet for a few hours. Go pick whatever you want. <laughs> that that's how almost all of my picks are going to start. Before we get into our top five list, do you have any honorable mentions? Because this is something you like to do sometimes when we do top five lists. Do you have any honorable mentions? Well, so I I think I was telling you, normally when I make my lists, I get a list of, you know, 10-ish or so movies that fit in the category. Mm -hmm. And then I I whittle it down. And we will often share our lists in secret to a third party, usually my wife. And she'll just say, like, is there any overlap? Yes, no, whatever. And this time around, though, I wasn't nearly that uh, that meticulous. I just sort of off the top of my head p- picked five movies. And I'm like, you know what? If there's overlap, there's overlap. I'm not really worried about it. And even though I eventually came up with two or three more picks, I thought I'm just going to stick with my tight five here. So, you know what? I think I'm going to pass on the honorable mentions this time. But how about you? You got any honorable mentions? I've got probably half an hour worth of honorable mentions to talk about. Well, that's the other thing is I don't uh, yeah. want to stay your toes yeah. and I don't necessarily want you to step on mine but doing the honorable mentions after the list sort of seems like you know mm-hmm. closing the doors after the the horses have left kind of thing so right I, 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 I don't think this is gonna be pretty solid I, I think and I'll, I'll go over this you just kind of briefly though if you don't mind just because sure, sure go for it so the Blues Brothers and Cheech and Chong's next movie either one of those on your list no so when I was 11 both these movies came on the movie channel and my parents wouldn't let me watch either one of them because they were both rated R Okay. My friend's mom was a single mom, so she used to work a lot, and she'd be gone, and he and I would go over to his place, and we'd put on the movie channel, and I remember we watched these two movies in one day. They were both on. To this day, I still love both these movies, partly because they're a lot of fun to watch, but also because I watched them as a young kid when I shouldn't have, so it's always kind of stuck with me. And another little bit story I want to tell you. So when I was nine years old, and I don't know if you know this about me, Derek, but when I was nine... My father got relocated for his job to Maracaibo, Venezuela. Did you know that? No, I had no idea. Yeah. So the whole family, we all moved there for a year. And let me tell you, it was one hell of an experience. And and it's something I'll always be grateful to my parents for doing because it gave us, you know, this chance to have this unique experience that very few people would get, right? Now, when you're in Venezuela in 1979, there's no options for watching anything other than Spanish language TV, okay? I remember even I went and bought a Star Wars picture book from the store, and it was all in Spanish. So my parents went out, and they bought the latest and greatest technology for 1979, and they bought a videotape player. Now, now keep in mind, this is 1979 Venezuela, so it's not like there's a blockbuster video on every corner, okay? There's not exactly a huge selection of videotapes. But one of the movies that they bought was the 1978 Joe Dante film Piranha. Have you heard of that movie? I've heard of it, and I've heard of its sequel. Yeah, they well, they, they made, yeah the sequel was Piranha 2: The Spawning. It was James uh, Cameron. James Cameron's first film, right? And they remade it a couple years ago, Piranha. But I mean, you got to watch the original with Bradford Dillman and Heather Menzies. So I think my parents thought. It was like this little B-movie about piranhas, which they, you know, it was kind of interesting to me at the time because we were in Venezuela after all, right? And so they let me and my friend watch it and we would watch it over and over and over again. There is no way I should have watched that as a (laughs) nine-year-old. 
there's nudity, there's bad language, there's gore and violence. And even though it, it is a B-movie, it, it's, it's kind of a spoof of Jaws, really, at its heart. But I just, I loved it. I, I, I still like that movie, it was, but I was way too young to watch it. But anyway, that, that's an honorable mention I want to mention. So, okay, so let's get into our list. Your number five movie that you watched way too young was... Okay, the number five movie was Revenge of the Nerds, which we have talked about on this podcast a lot. And we yep. hold up as whenever we talk about, did the movie hold up? Does it, is it measured by today's standards? This is always my go-to for a movie that should, you know, that absolutely does not. Right. And for all the reasons we've talked about in the past, it's there, you know, so the movie came out in 1984. It would have been available for video, I got to guess, by 1985. And that's probably when I saw it. Mm -hmm. I would have been. 10 or 11 years old-ish, probably I saw, 10. I saw it in the movie theater when it came out. I was 14. Oh, and <laughs> Way too young. I, I would have definitely... So I used to spend summers visiting my cousins. I have cousins that are about the same age as me, and there there's four kids in that family, so there was always lots going on. They always had friends over at their house. They had a swimming pool. So I would go and visit my cousins and spend that summer there. And their parents would always just drive us to the video store and say, pick out a bunch of movies and away you go. And so I saw so many inappropriate, I think almost everything on my list I saw at my cousin's house. Right. And so Revenge of the Nerds, I definitely remember seeing at my cousin's house for the first time. And they're like, you're gonna love this movie. There's so many boobs. And I'm like, that's how they sold it to me. Right. They're like, 10 year old me was like, we're gonna show you this movie. You're gonna love it. There's tons of boobs in it. I was like, okay. It's in the 80s, you're like, cool, now, I'm all in. As, yeah, as it turned out, it's like, you know, I was able to follow the story and you laugh at the jokes and, sure. and you know, you, you are a product of your environment. So I was probably laughing at things that by today's standards, you should totally not be laughing at um, <laughs> because I didn't know any better as a 10 year old. But yeah, it had a remarkable amount of of nudity, which as a 10 year old, I certainly <laughs> did. did not need to see. There was swearing, but not really that much. swearing. No, no, not but, a ton. There's, but a again, there's like there's there's like the the one character, Lamar, is gay. And that's the joke. He's gay. Isn't that funny? Everyone yeah. laugh. At it. It's like, again, as a 10 year old, if everyone's laughing at it, you think, well, that must be funny. And it's, it's unfortunate. I remember that that's when we, how it starts to shape your, your, your understanding of, right. you know, how should I uh, act around gay people? And this movie is basically telling you, you should laugh at them because it's funny. And, <laughs> exactly. so funny. you know, again, you look at it now and you're like, holy cow. What the cow, hell like, was this all about? So um, and, and this is the big, the clincher was there's the scene when they, um, put the cameras in the, in the sorority house so they can yeah. spy on the women. Again, they should all have gone to jail for breaking <laughs> and entering a Tom and assault on the women and, and watching them through the video. Like it just all criminal behavior. And, exactly. But Not there's good. the one scene where they start talking about like, oh, you know, we can see all their boobs, but like, <laughs> let's see more than this. And then they're like, they show the shower scene and all the girls are tallying off. The guy's like, is it hot in there? Come on, take off those towels. And then when the girl finally takes off the towel, they zoom right in on her crotch. And he's like, no, no, he's like, pan down. Yeah, pan pan down. down. And he's like, we have, we have. And it shows a picture of, of a woman's vagina. And it's like, that's the first, not that you could see anything except this mound of pubic hair. Oh my, my, my. But that's the first time I ever saw anything well, like that. It was the 80s after all. Yeah, but it's like, as a 10-year-old, I should not have been exposed no. to that kind of thing at that age. And that that's like my my first memory of seeing that kind of a movie where it's like, here, we're just going to we're going to objectify these women. And isn't it hilarious that these guys can do this? So it's like for so many reasons, it's so wrong. So but wrong. to your point, that you said in the opening, I've probably seen Revenge of the Nerds 50 times. <laughs> Easily. Yeah. It was one of and I had to, I had a copy of the video years later and it was like. 
I watched it over and over and over again. Wear the video out. <laughs> yeah. So that was definitely my number five pick for a movie I saw way too young. <laughs> a great one. Like I say, this is going to be a funny topic because I'm just yeah, laughing my ass yeah. off the whole time. But the thing, okay, now, now please, no, I don't want to be getting like hate emails, you know, like I sometimes get. I'm not defending the nerds for doing what they did. They should not have put cameras in and looked at the girls. But you got to keep in mind the context of how it was done was because those girls were horrifically mean to those nerds. Right. 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 They were awful. And they were awful to the, the sister sorority. Like, like, so they were just awful, mean what they did. So I'm not saying yeah, that I they mean, deserved it, but you know, like maybe they shouldn't put cameras in there and look at them naked. But I mean, like the whole point of it too was that it was revenge. Right. So, I mean, yeah. And, and I mean, at its heart, the movie is basically about standing up for yourself when yes. you've been wrong, especially when you're a marginalized group. Unfortunately, they take a lot of shot at marginalized groups in the movie <laughs> over and above the nerds. Yeah. So but at its yeah. heart, it, the message on its face is a fairly positive message. But the means by which they get there. Absolutely deplorable by today's standards. Back when Yancey was on the show, we actually reviewed this movie. And as a millennial, I had him watch it. And he was like, Chris, this is so bad. Just like you. He's like, there's one character that's gay. And that's what the whole joke is. There's another character that's just, the joke is he's Asian. You know, like it's yeah. just so awful, right? You know? So yeah, the movie doesn't hold up and we watched it way too young. Okay. That's a good one. <laughs> God, I just laughing thinking about it. Okay. My number five. A movie from 1980 called Motel Hell. You've probably never even heard of this movie. Never heard of it. So, as I mentioned before, back in 1980, I had just moved back to Canada from Venezuela. And there was this new thing out as I get back, and it's called cable TV. And one of the channels they had was the movie channel. Like, I always called it the movie channel. I think it was officially called, like, the super channel or first choice or something like that. But anyway... Our local church, I remember, got all up in arms about this movie because it was showing on the new movie channel in town and they were warning parents, do not let your kids watch this horror film because of the premise of this film. So there's this farmer and his sister and when people stay at their motel, they kill them and they chop them up and they put them into sausages. Okay. So really, the church might have been actually been onto something, I think, by not having kids watch this. Um, but anyway, the movie was Rory Calhoun and Nancy Parsons were in it. And I, I think over the years, the people have mistaken it for a satire of horror films, you know, like like maybe like a like a like a send up of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or even Hitchcock Psycho or something like that. But I really think the intent of the filmmakers was to make a serious gore movie, you know. But regardless, a 10-year-old kid should not be watching a movie about, you know, chopping up people and putting them into sausages. I think regardless of the intent of the filmmakers, it's just freaking wrong. It's it's gory, it's twisted, it's a freak show. So so needless to say, I watched it, you know. <laughs> and, and I'm lucky enough to have escaped without being too scarred for life. So that was one movie I never should have watched, you know, as, as a 10-year-old, but I did, and that was Motel Hell. So it was my number five. So uh, your number four, what do you got? All right, so as, as we have discussed on this podcast many times in the past, mm-hmm. horror is not a genre I care for. No. I have not no. seen a lot of horror movies in my life. I don't. Excuse me. I don't enjoy them. I just don't like the idea. I don't want my entertainment to scare me. I want to be entertained and I don't feel being frightened is a form of entertainment that I need. I never have. 
But that's not to say that I can't appreciate a good horror movie, especially, you know, I, I've seen some of the ones that have come out in the last 20 years. I have some friends that like horror is their favorite genre, and I get some very good recommendations from some of them. So, I, you know, I'm not I'm not just saying don't watch horror movies. They have their place, and a lot of people like them. But even as a little kid, I knew horror movies were not for me. So I just avoided them. Like, why watch them? Well, again, I'm visiting my cousins one summer. <laughs> probably the same summer I saw Revenge of the Nerds. And... You know, when you're when you're subjected to peer pressure like that, where it's like all your cousins who are the same age as you and all their friends. And it's like, yeah. oh, we're all going to watch these movies. Like, you okay, just, let's watch yeah. it. So they had me watch one of the first and only horror movies I saw in the first, you know, 20 years of my life. And that was the 1982 film Poltergeist. Oh, yes. I saw that one in the theater, too. Oh. Yeah. And so, you know, this was a poltergeist when it came out was a, a very big deal. And mm -hmm. it was, uh, you know, the for those who maybe haven't seen it or aren't as familiar with it, the whole thing with the little girl and she's uh, got her hands on the TV and she can, you know, they're here and they go in the haunted house. And it's just like, yeah, it was it, it was pretty creepy and it's in its own right. Um, but there were specifically a couple of scenes that really scared the bejesus out of me. And I mentioned it to my wife and she said the same thing. And it was the scene where the little boy is uh, they're in the new house. And what the, I mean, the family doesn't know the house is haunted yet. And there's like this creepy looking tree outside. And then yep. it's like thunder and lightning and windy. And he's like scared of the thunder and lightning. And then the tree like comes to life and reaches through the crashes through the window and mm -hmm. tries to grab him. And it's like that freaked me out. And then later towards the end of the movie, there's a scene where they're building a pool in the backyard and it's just basically they've dug out the dirt. That's all they've got around to doing. And it starts filling with water when there's a big rainstorm and the dad thinks the little girl might be in the pool. So he dives in the pool to look for her, and all these corpses pop up because what they don't know is the house has been built over top of a cemetery. And when they dug down to build the swimming pool, all the corpses were right underneath there. So all these like skeletal bodies pop up and it's like this dark raining scene again, freaked the hell out of me. So yeah, I was pretty traumatized and I like, I probably would have been nine or 10 years old. So definitely left an impression. And I remember my cousins sold me on this movie. They're like, you know, come on. It's, it's, it's uh, written by Steven Spielberg. He wrote ET and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like how scary do you think it's going to be? And I'm like, oh, well, it can't be that scary. Until they yeah. bring in Toby Hooper to direct the damn thing. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, yeah. And so anyway, they were like, no, I, I watched it once. I, uh, I was definitely scared. Uh, it definitely had some scary uh, parts that stuck with me for a long time as a little kid. I'm like, no, I don't think I need the horror genre at all. I'm done with it. And that was a movie I definitely saw way too young. Uh, you know, probably would have been better off never watching, but that's my number four, Poltergeist. Not to mention, remember the scene where the where the one of the guys, they bring all these people in to like observe what's going on in the house. And remember the guy goes into the bathroom and then he just starts pulling all of his skin off? Oh, yes. And dropping it in the sink. That freaked me out too. Like, oh, there was a lot going on in that movie. And then not only when that tree came in and got the kid right away then his clown came to life and, oh yeah i forgot and, about and, that and they pulled him under the bed and everything oh yeah it was just too scary oh my god that's a good one so uh you mentioned you didn't see a lot of horror movies i think i got three on my list so they're on jeez okay okay my number four is not a horror movie though it is uh it's private lessons from 1981 oh so, i might have seen this here's an example of a movie on the movie channel that i was able to watch at a friend's house when his parents were gone again so this movie, it's about a 15-year-old boy who has a maid, and she's played by Sylvia Christel. Now, if you don't know who Sylvia Christel is, she played Emmanuel in these 
like the series of softcore porn films back in the 70s. It was basically about this woman who travels through Europe uh, having sexual encounters. Okay, so let's take her and let's put her in a movie where she plays a maid in a house with a 15-year-old boy whose parents go away for the summer. What could for the possibly, summer? Yeah, wow, they go away okay. for the summer. What could possibly go wrong here, right? So, I think it's another example of the the cringeworthy movie premises of the 1980s that we've talked about before. I mean, you know, what 15 year old boy wouldn't, you know, back in the 80s, especially wouldn't dream of having Emmanuel as his maid? But I mean, like, come on, like, if what if can you imagine if the gender roles were reversed, like, and there was a 15 year old girl whose parents left her alone for the summer and their new gardener was played by, like, Harry Reams. Like, I mean, like, geez, like, like, when you think of it, like, this is a horrific premise for a film. Anyway, so you can well imagine what happens in this movie. And basically, this 15-year-old boy loses his virginity to Emmanuel. And I was 11, and I watched this movie. And, and you thought, in four years, my parents better get a maid. <laughs> exactly. I was like, well, why don't you hire a maid, damn it? Like, so, I don't know. Just <laughs> when, when you look back on some of the movies that we watched in the 80s, it's amazing we turned out as good as we did. <laughs> but, I mean, this was one of them. So, Private Lessons definitely made wow. my list. It's at number four. Okay, number I'm, three. I'm just, I'm just looking it up now. No, I had not <laughs> seen this one. But so many 80s movies basically follow a story like that that I'm yes. sure I've seen some ripoff of it. All right. My number three. So my number three is uh, the newest movie on my list, and it's from 1987. Okay. And it is Robocop. Oh, that's a good one, too. So I would have. So, again, I would have been 13, 12 or 13, depending because my birthday is right at the end of the summer. So if this came out in the summer, I would have been 12. So I definitely didn't see it in the theater because it was restricted for excessive violence. Lots of violence. By 1987, it didn't take long for movies to come out on video. Like if they came out in the summer in the theater, by Christmas time, they were on video. So I definitely saw this on video and I'm fairly confident I saw this at one of my good buddy's house. Again, he had an older brother and his parents were pretty open to renting just about anything that that we wanted. And, um, you know, they were like, they didn't really have any issues. Now, I do remember, though, whenever they rented movies that they were like, mm, we don't know if this is appropriate. They would call my mom and go, you know, we've rented the kids some movies and this one's restricted, but the kids really wanted to watch it. Uh, are you OK with it? And I remember my mom would always say, is there any hardcore nude or, or sex scenes in it? And they're like, no. She's like, then that's fine. And they're like, well, it might have violence or bad words. She's like, that's fine. As long as there aren't like hardcore sex scenes, go have at it. And I was like, OK. So, yeah, I remember seeing Robocop and. Again, by this point, I'm a 13-year-old boy in the 80s. I've seen Schwarzenegger movies. I've seen Stallone movies. I watch shows like The A-Team. Like, I am completely desensitized to violence. But this movie was like next-level violence and blood and shoot-em-ups. Like, I don't know if you've seen the original RoboCop in a long time, but it is very graphic. Oh, yeah. His gun, like, just shoots people, and they be like red mist. Like, they are just gone. There's a scene at the beginning where the cop who becomes RoboCop gets killed by the by the bad guys and they like just like they use a shotgun to blow his arm off and it's just like it is this very graphic and and like 
this scene is is just awful what they do to this guy. And then like later in the movie, when he decides to get revenge on them, there are some pretty graphic revenge scenes. And then towards the end of the movie, there's a scene where a guy crashes a car into a vat of acid and the acid burns one of the bad guys. Yep. And then he's like wandering around. He's like, and it's like his skin is all melted. It's like, oh, my God. And then the car just... hits him and, and his then the head car explodes. Hits yeah, like oh, the uh, the excessiveness of the violence yes. and the excessive gore in this movie. Like for a horror movie, you would think, okay, there's going to be blood and guts and stabbing and shooting and gore. And that This wasn't a horror movie. This was a sci-fi action film. Right. You didn't so, expect it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly did expect shoot 'em ups and stuff, especially from the trailer. You see he's got, you know, oh, it's a robot with a gun. Like what do you think is going to happen? But wow. Or the scene where the Ed 209 – automated robot just like guns down the one guy when it's got the technical glitch and it's like you've got 10 seconds to drop your weapon and then he does and the thing's like you have five seconds to drop your weapon and then it just unloads all the bullets on him and he's just like blowing up like it's it's ridiculous how excessive the shooting and the violence and the blood is in this as a 12 or 13 year old boy this is not something I should have been exposed <laughs> no to kidding. but honestly by this point I was probably pretty desensitized to it so even though I probably shouldn't have been right. watching it I don't feel that it really caused me any trauma or psychological problems or, or maybe by that point, this was the whole problem. The fact that I could watch a movie like this and not feel anything bad. Like, I guess I understood at that point, come on, it's a robotic police officer. It's phony baloney. This isn't real, but Oh my God, this movie was pretty hardcore. Like if I had little kids nowadays, I don't know if I'd let them watch it at that age, but that was my number three pick for excessive violence (laughs) and blood. Robocop. That's a good one. Okay. My number three. So, Derek, back in my hometown, let's just say that the the local movie theater wasn't all that stringent when it came to enforcing the whole movie rating system. So, and, and this was certainly the case for my number three. And that's Bolero from 1984, starring Bo Derek. So, this movie was so, so bad. It won Razzie Awards for Worst Picture, Worst Actress, Worst Director, and so on and so on. And it was even nominated for a Razzie for Worst Film of the Decade. But that's not why it's on my list. Oh, oh no. (laughs) So it's on my list because the ticket taker at my local movie theater was was a little lax, like I say, on enforcing the rules. And so they let me and my friend, we were both 14 years old at the time, they let us in to see this R-rated movie. And in fact, I remember this quite well. The person at the ticket booth, she says to me, hey, oh, you have to have an adult with you to see this movie and I'm like oh yeah that's that's my uncle right up there and I just point at some like random dude walking ahead of me she's like okay that'll be 250 (laughs) okay so in I go so 14 year old me into an R-rated Bo Derek movie all about a woman who travels across Europe trying to lose her virginity I don't know what it is about these movies with women traveling across. I was going to say, this sounds a lot like the last movie you just talked about. Like, I don't know what it is. I guess it was a real thing back in the day. I don't know. But anyway, not only did I see Bo Derek accomplish her goal, (laughs) but in like vivid, vivid imagery, I might add. So I remember it involved at one point a guy pouring honey all over her naked body. And then the worst part of this whole thing was Olivia Dabo. Now, you probably remember her as the sister in the TV show The Wonder Years with Fred Savage. Remember, she was like the hippie sister. I, I never watched the show, okay. but I'm, a, I'm a familiar with the show, right. but I never watched the show. Anyway, people probably remember her best from that show, but I remember her best from Bolero. So 
there's 14-year-old me watching this movie. And here's 14-year-old Olivia Dabo doing a full nude scene as a 14-year-old. Jeez. Why the hell John Derrick wasn't arrested and blackballed from Hollywood for life is beyond me. I mean, this isn't just an example of a movie that I watched way too young. I never should have watched it at all. No one should. Like, it involves a nude scene with a minor, for crying out loud. Like, the 80s were something else, you know, and, and, and nothing was worse than Bolero. I saw this movie in the, in the theater as a kid. I, again, I'm not sure how I turned out normal. Although I guess that's up for debate. Anyway, that's my number three. What do you got for number two? All right. Uh, so my number two pick, actually my number two and my number one pick are both comedies. Oh, nice. My number two pick is the 1978 groundbreaking stoner comedy Cheech and Chong Up in Smoke. I believe this was their first movie. It was their first movie. That's correct. So again, I definitely saw this at my cousin's house one summer and... <laughs> I want to think it was probably 81, 82 ish. Mm -hmm. So I would have been like really young, like probably seven or eight years old. Right. And again, looking at it now, like the movie is full of it's all about drug use. Like, but as as a little kid, I didn't get or understand a lot of it. Like the whole scene. I mean, I'm sure you've seen this movie. You're familiar with this film. Yes. Yes, I am. So like there's a whole scene at the beginning where they're getting high in the car and then it's like full and he hands them the joint and it's like. It, it like the thing is bigger than a cigar. Like I didn't understand the humor of any of that stuff. Like I just, I, again, I'm a little kid. I don't have any contextual, I don't have any context to, to, to base this on. So I'm laughing at their outrageous behavior, not realizing that these characters are supposed to be high and that's why they're acting ridiculously. I'm, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm laughing at some of the jokes and, and, but for the wrong reasons, like it's if you if you if you understand what I mean, I think a lot of it was just clearly going over my head because I was so young and didn't understand it. But there were definitely parts of it that that even a little kid could understand. But even like the parts about how they were smuggling drugs across the border, they had made this car out of weed, and they were and it was like again, I didn't understand what that was all about. I just remember like they did a thing near the end where they're doing like a battle of the bands. They were all dressed in like outrageous women's clothing and stuff, and it was I remember a scene where. Um, there's like what well, the cops were had a house under surveillance and everyone in the party was getting high. And I remember laughing at all of them, not really understanding why I was thinking it's funny. And like, I remember the cops outside in the van, it was like a, a van for like a dry cleaners or something. And the guy unzips, he, he, he has to uh, shout outside of the van. And so he like unzips the, the, the zipper part on the front of the pants and you see his lips like shoot the moon. Shoot. And he's like, no, over the walkie talkie, stupid. It's like just these little dumb Thing. And there's a scene like where they're in the bathroom. Yeah. yeah. And there's a scene like where he's in the bathroom and I think he's peeing on the other guy's shoes or something. Yeah. Again, it's, this little, it's the kind of things that a yeah. seven year old would find funny yeah. or a stoner would find funny. Right. So on the one hand, so much of this made sense to me as a little kid, but so much of it was clearly going over my head and watching it years later. Once I understood more about what was actually happening in that movie, I was thinking to myself, okay, there's no way I should have watched this as young as I did. And how did I even find this funny when I didn't understand the jokes? But uh, yeah, so that was my number two was uh, Cheech and Chong up in smoke. Probably saw it when I was eight years old. Definitely too young. <laughs> way too saw that one way too young. That's a good one. Like, okay, so my number two, <clears throat> the movie channel, once again, rears its ugly head. And let me tell you, they were up to their old tricks back in 1981 because they showed this horror film called Prom Night. Now, 
I should preface this by saying, when it comes to horror films, I was a mess as a kid. Like, I would get spooked by just about any scary movie. I'd have nightmares for days. And I, I'll never forget being an 11-year-old. I was staying at my grandma's house in 1981. And she went to bed early. She was a grandma, after all. You know? So I stayed up. And I put on the movie channel. And I watched the 1980 horror film, Prom Night. It was with Jamie Lee Curtis and, and Leslie Nielsen. He, it was a Canadian movie. And this was back before, you know, he got into making comedies and all that. It was, it was, it was scary and all. But for, you know, for squeamish old me, the, the part that really, really got me. So there's a scene where there's this bully. He's like the resident high school tough guy, right? And he goes backstage during the prom night dance. And he knocks out the prom king. And he puts on the crown. And he's waiting backstage for them to announce the prom king. Because his plan was he's going to come out on stage and make like he was the prom king, you know? Okay. But little known to him, there's a serial killer that's looking to kill the guy that was the actual prom king. And the killer comes backstage with an axe. And he sneaks up on the bully and he cuts his head off. And the head rolls out onto the stage. And it's just sitting there. Did he still have the crown on? I believe it did. Yes. Yes. It's got the crown. Yeah. And it's like oozing blood and everything. And let me tell you, the sight of that severed head sent me into nightmares for weeks. Like I never should have watched that movie. I watched it way too young. It scared the absolute bejesus out of me. And I remember it to this day. So. Jeez. I always remember the sequel. That one was called. Hello, Mary Lou, prom night two. Yes. I just remember it was a catchy cat. Like it was a a memorable catchphrase on the cover of the movie box. Not that I ever watched either one, but I just always thought that was a clever, clever play on the words. It was was Canadian as well. And uh, Ronnie Hawkins sang the theme song in that second one. I remember that. And the third one was directed by this Canadian Ron Oliver. And I'll have to tell you about him sometime because I ran into him at a horror movie convention once. And let me tell you, me and him almost got into a fist fight. I'll have to tell you Jeez, that. okay. We'll have to mention that sometime. We so will. Remind me. All right. Ron Oliver. Oh God, that guy hates me. Anyway, you're number one. All right. So, uh, so basically every movie on my list is one of two things. It's either a movie I saw at my cousin's house or it's a movie I saw at my best friend's house. This yeah. one falls into that second category. The guy whose parents rented us RoboCop. They also rented us Eddie Murphy's Delirious. Jeez. So we got, so I remember they rented this and I had never seen it before, but uh, Beverly Hills Cop had just come out and so uh, on video. And so we wanted to watch that. So, you know, my my buddy's like, dad, dad, get us these two Eddie Murphy movies. We want to see them. And he's like, "Mm, okay, because he was he was a real softy when it came to this kind of stuff. So. I remember when we got back to his house, his dad's like, Derek, I better call your mom just to make sure she's okay with this. I'm like, trust me, she'll be fine. She already she already greenlit. Ro- well, no, at this point, she wouldn't have greenlit Robocop because that would have been years later. So he calls her up and he's like, hi, you know, yeah, we've rented a couple movies. And she's like, oh, what'd you rent? And he's like, oh, we rented, uh, you know, Beverly Hills Cop and Delirious. And she's like, oh, what are those? And he's oh, two Eddie Murphy movies. She's like, oh, yeah, he's already seen 48 Hours. He's good. Go ahead. <laughs> Which I honestly don't remember if I had seen 48 Hours at that point, but my parents were cool about that. So I was like, okay. So we watched Beverly Hills Cop, all good. And then it's like Delirious. I'm like, oh, it's just him telling jokes. That's it. Like, how good is this going to be? Well, again, <laughs> as a 10-year-old, some of this, and we were watching it with my buddy's older brother, who 
obviously understood a lot more of the humor than we did. So we'd be watching this and some of the jokes we found funny, we'd laugh at. Other ones we didn't understand, but his brother thought they were funny, so we would laugh, because he laughed. And then as you do when you're a little kid, you watch these things over and over again, and then you start to repeat it. So you'd go to school and you'd be like, I watched this great stand-up comedian, it's a, Eddie Murphy's hilarious. They're like, oh, what were some of the jokes? And because you'd watched it 10 times, you knew them verbatim. Even though you didn't understand why the joke was funny, you would repeat all the words in the same way that Eddie Murphy delivered it, and everyone on the schoolyard would laugh. And in retrospect, none of them probably understood it either, nope. but it was, it was supposed to be funny, so everybody laughed. And it was many years later, I went back to watch it thinking, oh, I wonder how it holds up. And it was like, oh my God, I don't remember these jokes meaning these things or being this, like I found them a lot funnier once I actually understood why they were supposed to be funny. Uh, again, though, I rewatched it like maybe about four or five years ago and so much of the humor from that time is super inappropriate by oh, today's It's almost like all of it. ridiculously yeah. inappropriate. Bad. And he, even, I believe even Eddie Murphy has apologized yeah. for looking back that super inappropriate. But <laughs> if you're 10 years old and you know, your friend's older brother says this is supposed to be funny, then it's funny and you repeat it. And wow, this was definitely my number one movie for, you know, something I should not have seen as young as I did, especially I would go on and on and repeat the jokes and repeat the jokes and repeat the jokes, having no idea why they were supposed to be funny, but still repeating them. And I can remember going to like other friends' house and I'd be hanging out with my friends and I'd be repeating the jokes and their older brothers would overhear it and laugh because their older brothers understood the joke. We had no idea why it was funny, but clearly I was telling it right because he was laughing. So yeah, this is this was my number one, number one thing I should not have seen at this young no. Eddie Murphy doing his stand-up delirious. Yeah. I'm, that's, trying, that's I'm trying to picture you, Derek, going in onto the schoolyard, and like as you said, and like telling a lot of these jokes to people. Like, you know, the teacher comes over, hey, Derek, what's going on? You're like, I know that you know that I know that you know that I know that you know that you want to. Humana, humana, humana. I can imagine you saying things that teachers were totally well, and and so he's got the one. Uh, the, I think it was in in the stand up bra, the the sequel to this one, where he has the whole shtick where Bill Cosby calls him up and yells right. at him for for telling dirty jokes and for having a show that's nothing but swears. And it's like, that's pretty much that's pretty much how as a young person that's that was my exposure to it. Right? It's like I don't know why this is funny, but he says the f word a lot, and as a ten year old, I know I shouldn't say that, so it must be funny. And uh, yeah. So this is definitely my number one was Eddie Murphy delirious. That's awesome. That's a great one. Okay. My number one, I'm going with Jaws. Okay. So I, I mentioned this on previous episodes, but back in 1977, the movie Jaws, it had been released two years earlier and, uh, but it was, so it was done. It's theatrical run at this point, but it came to our local drive-in theater. And, um, and, and for any millennials, by the way, drive-ins used to be like, like this, this big thing back in the day. And instead of using your radio to listen to the sound, they had these big metal speakers. Oh yeah. 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 Remember yeah they were yeah. attached to the poles and you'd yep. roll down your like driver's window and then you'd, you'd hook the speaker on yep. the glass. And occasionally someone would drive away after the movie with it still hooked up and would cause all sorts of damage. Oh yeah. Yep. Like rip it right out of the thing, you know? Um, so anyway, so I went, uh, I went to the movies to see Jaws at the drive-in. And I was seven years old and my mom didn't think it was a good idea. You know, she thought it would be too scary. And, uh, but you gotta, you gotta remember like, I mean, back when Jaws came out, like it was a massive, massive sensation. It was the, it was the first blockbuster, you know, before that, 
people went to see a movie once and then that was it. And the idea of going back to see a movie multiple times, you know, just was unheard of. And then, you know, Jaws came out, everything changed with these long lines. You know, like they were they were around the corner of every movie theater around the world. It was like, it was the biggest pop culture thing like ever at the time. So I really wanted to go, you know, because it was this massive sensation thing. And because of that, I think my mom thought, oh, you know, what the hell? How bad can it be for a seven-year-old? Oh, and I should also mention, I'll never forget, the opening film. Because when you go to the drive-in back in the day, they'd have the first movie and then they'd have the feature film. Mm-hmm. The feature film was Jaws. The opening, and, and a lot of times, and this is no <laughs> this is no exception, a lot of times the opening film, the first movie, had no relation at all. Because like, you would think, okay, if we're going to show Jaws, let's show another horror movie. You know, or something else, a thriller before it. No, the movie that they played before it was a movie called The Last Remake of Bojest. And it was a movie with Marty Feldman. You remember him? He was in, um, oh, he was nope. in Mel Brooks movie, um, Young Frankenstein. He had the big eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah he was in uh, Yellowbeard, I think was. It? Ah, it might have been. And he was yeah. in like In God We Trust and all these other movies. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so he was in this movie. It was about like the French Foreign Legion. And I remember even that was inappropriate because I remember there was a scene. The movie was like totally forgettable. It was a stupid movie. But there was a scene in, I remember, where there was a blind guy that was feeling like a Braille picture of like a nude woman. And I was like, even as a seven-year-old, I'm like, what the hell? Like, you know. So anyway, so then then Jaws comes on, you know, so the first movie gets done. How bad could that be for a seven-year-old? Well, you got to keep in mind that I was a total chicken. Like I said, when it came to scary movies, right? And if I was a chicken at 11 with prom night, you can imagine how much of a chicken I was at seven with Jaws. So Ben Gardner's head just about gave me a massive coronary at seven years old. I almost died of a heart attack at seven years old. And, but that wasn't the clincher. So remember this scene where the, the Boy Scouts are in the pond and the, the scout leader paddles up to them? And then the shark slowly moves in and bites him. When that leg hit the bottom of the ocean floor, I I almost fainted. Hmm. I, I remember turning to my mom and I was like, Mom, we go, I want to go home. Please, just please go home. I just want to go home. Just, and, and the thing is, I, just, I never learned my lesson because I let my eight-year-old watch Jaws. And then he had nightmares. <laughs> you know, I can't even wear my Jaws t-shirt around the house because he's scared of it. You know, so anyway, apparently I've patched passed the torch on to my youngest son, but Jaws, oh my God, I'll never forget that movie. It scared the bejesus out of me. And, um, and the thing is, it's timeless because of it, it scared my son too. So my, my older son, he watched it around the same age. He was fine. But my youngest son, he, he gets scared at movies too. So, and I never should have watched it when I was seven. That's for sure. So, yeah, I don't think I saw Jaws until I was like 20. So I didn't find it scary as much as at that point I, I knew all about who Steven Spielberg was. And I'm like, I got to watch this. I heard it's one of Spielberg's greatest movies ever. So I have a question for you. Yeah, sure. Man. We, we talk a lot about, you know, the Gen X, you know, and we're older. But do you think that these younger generation, like the millennials or even like my kids age for that matter, do you think they have this same situation where they can just watch movies way too young? Like, oh, for sure. It's called the internet. They can see whatever they want. But they don't make our mo- R-rated movies anymore. And, 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 and like those 80s style teen sex comedies, like they died. You know, by the time 1990 came around, they went the way of the dinosaur. 
You know, they were taken over by movies like Jurassic Park. Just talking about dinosaurs. You know what I mean? Like, they died in the 80s. They don't exist anymore. So how do these kids want... They're not going to go back and watch, like, you know, weird science and stuff like that. So how do they watch these movies? Like, the older movies? No, no. But like, like how, they, how does so the younger I'm, generation get exposed to this stuff? Well, so, I mean, think about some of the movies on your list. A, a couple of the movies on your list were basically, like, young coming-of-age movies or, like, boob movies. It's like, now, if a little kid wants to see boobs... They got the internet. Now, that's not to say little kids should be going to the sites where they can see that, but unless your parents really have a tight lockdown on, on your internet habits, there are ways that young kids, probably way younger than they should be, are seeing and, and you know, no pun intended, being exposed to so much nudity and sexuality over the internet that they should never, ever be able to see. And I think our standards have changed over time as well. I, I mean, even things you can see on regular, normal television there are things on there today that would never have passed the censors back in the 80s you would have only go oh, that that could only ever have been seen and i'm not talking like stuff on hbo i mean like on abc nbc cbs fox global ctv like the main real network te television shows like there's some stuff in there that between the 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 mature content and the I don't want to say nudity because you don't usually get nudity in like primetime, but even just the risque nature of some of the love scenes, like I think it's just the standards have changed and, um, you know, it's, I don't know. So I think, I think whereas when we were younger, we would go to the movies in part to, to try and, you know, get a glimpse of the things we couldn't see otherwise. That aspect of it is totally lost on today's youth. I we think. had to sneak into those R rated movies, you know, or watch yeah. them on the movie channel in the hopes that we'd see some nudity. You know, but like now, like you say, I guess kids can just pick up their phone and look at like X-rated stuff. Well, and I think that I think really what you get now is this cry for quality. Like we talk about how many of the movies from the 80s were just awful. And I think Garbage. everyone on your list, except for Joss, falls squarely into that awful category where there's no way they would have any margin of success if they came out today because they, they would just suck. And I think. Because there is so much uh, choice available now that the standards need to be higher to get eyeballs on your material, which is not to say that everything that comes out is high quality. There's a lot of garbage out there, mm -hmm. but the garbage is not going to rise to the top. The quality is what, what, what ends up, you know, rising to the top. So, yeah. Although I guess kids now can watch like a lot more, you know, risque stuff. On the other hand, I, th I think kids, or at least my kids anyway, are kind of sheltered. Like they don't. They don't get the same amount of unsupervised screen time to watch those kind of movies. Like my my wife won't even even let me show my twelve year old meatballs. She's flat against it. You know, I let him watch Stroker Ace when we were up at the trailer the other day. Jeez. Don't tell my wife. You know. Yeah. I, I whisper to you on an award nominated podcast. <laughs> like, like she's never gonna hear. Luckily she doesn't listen. So there's always that. But uh. I just feel like Kids are sheltered a little bit more now. Like, I mean, we were kind of, we were more of a latchkey generation. We were just on our mm -hmm. own. We used to come home from school and do whatever the hell we wanted to do. Put on the movie network, watch whatever we wanted, you know? But now, like, I think we watch our kids a little bit more closely in terms of what they they do. At least at least I do anyway. I mean, my wife does. So, other yeah, than I mean, I, I don't have kids, so I don't really have a horse in this mm -hmm. race. I can only tell you what I, what I believe based on what I'm seeing and hearing from my peer groups and, and the community around me. But, yeah. No, I think I think it's a fair point. I think it's a fair yeah. point. Interesting. All right, time to have some fun with Caveman. All right, Derek. Since most of the movies that we saw way too young, 
were sex comedies. I thought it might be fun to do some trivia surrounding 80s sex comedies. Oh, geez. I don't know if this is going to be good for me or bad for me. And, and what better way to deliver that trivia than through the $100,000 pyramid? Derek so this is how it's going to work Derek you you have to make it to the top of the pyramid okay you're in the winner's circle and in order to make it to the top you have to list the title of an 80s sex comedy but to help you I'm going to give you lists but I'm going to give you lists of the characters that appear in the film just the characters Jeez. okay you have to guess you have to guess the titles associated with those characters Okay. Wow. Okay. Okay. All the correct answers are 80s sex comedies. And the thing is, like, I think once we get into it, you realize some of these characters are just so iconic. You just kind of rhyme them off. You know? I hope so. Because there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of terrible cheesy 80s comedies that I'm, there's no way I'm going to remember them by the names of I the think characters. I you're going to do quite It's well. like, everyone's going to have, Chaz. It's like every villain in every no. 80s sex comedy was named Chaz. I think you might do better than you think, but we, uh, we will see. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. I'm ready. Go. Lewis, Gilbert, Poindexter. Oh, uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Stacy Hamilton, Brad Hamilton, Linda Barrett, Mike Damone, Mark Ratner. Oh, um, um, Jeff Spicoli. Fast, time, fast Times at Richmond High. Yes. Tommy, Wendy Williams, Coach Balbrecker, Meet. Cherry Forever. Pee-wee. Oh, uh, Porky's. Yes. Barney. Peyton. Bernadette. Walter Coolidge. Rose Bernhardt. Jane Mitchell. Dexter Jones. Barney. Peyton. Bernadette. I don't know. Pass, pass. The pass. Wyatt. Gary, Lisa, Chet, Hilly, Mutant Biker, Wyatt, Gary, Lisa. No idea. Pass. Oh, she's passed. Chris Knight, Mitch Taylor. Oh, uh, real genius. Yes. Okay, let's go back. Uh, Barney, Peyton, Bernadette, Walter Coolidge. No, I don't Mrs. Bernhardt. Pass, 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 pass. Go to the nope. other one. Pass uh, Wyatt and Gary and Lisa. Come on, Wyatt, Gary. Oh, jeez. Oh. Oh, man, I didn't get these. Okay, so Barney, Peyton, Bernadette, Walter. It's from Zapped. Did you ever watch Zapped? Oh, yeah, with Scott Baio. Oh. Barney Bonehead. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, I love that movie. And Wyatt and Gary and Lisa, the three main characters of Weird Science. Oh, I haven't seen that movie in 25 years. Oh, God. But you got Real Genius right off the hops. I love Real Genius. It's one oh. of my all-time favorite 80s comedies. Man, I can't believe the Real Genius is probably the hardest one, but uh, the other one's like zapped. Oh, I love that movie. Uh, okay, so we've uh, spent the past few shows in the 80s. I mean, we had our pop culture fantasy draft in 1981. We reviewed Free Rise Only. We did Escape from New York. And we spent most of this episode in the 80s, too. So it's time to get a little bit more recent. Yes, it is. 
since asking me for anything after 1989 is pretty much a wasted effort. So Derek, why don't you nominate a film that we can both watch and come back and review next week that's relatively new? What have you got? Well, I was inspired when uh, when I, I saw the new film Dune this weekend. Okay. I, it reminded me of how much I enjoy the work of director Denis Villeneuve or Denny Villeneuve. It's French. And we've already reviewed his movie Arrival, which would have been my first choice. Uh, unfortunately, you didn't care for it, but no. you were wrong. Uh, but I'm going to have you watch something okay. a little more action packed. It's his film from 2015. It's called Sicario. Have you seen it? Have you heard of it? Never even heard of it. Okay, Uh, it is uh, it's about an FBI agent who's uh, fighting the drug war between the U.S. and Mexico. And man, oh, man, this is an action packed shoot 'em up. Emily Blunt is the main character. And it's always good to see a strong female character. And oh, my God, she is a strong female character in this movie. She is badass. This has a great cast, great direction. It's got a ton of people in it that you're going to be like, oh, my God, this is, a, this, is, this is a lot of well-known performers. And they definitely do a fantastic job with this film. Uh, Sicario from 2015. I double-checked. It's available on Netflix here in Canada. You should have no problem finding cool. it. It runs exactly two hours. It's not too long. I haven't seen it since it first came out on video. So it's been about five years for me. But I remember really, really enjoying it. And I am actually very much looking forward to going back and watching it again. And they even made a sequel to this a few years later, which I remember being even better than the first one. But we're just going to have you watch the first one. Please tell me it was Sicario 2 Electric Boogaloo. Uh, I think that was the working title. But (laughs) no, I believe it was called Sicario Day of the Soldado, if I remember correctly. Well, Uh, we're going to have you watch the first one. Sicario from 2015. Directed by Denny Villeneuve, who is the director of the new film Dune that just came out. And it stars Emily Blunt, Josh Brolin, Benicio Del Toro, Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, it's got a huge friend cast. You're going to recognize like okay. all the main performers in this. I hope you enjoy it, but we'll come back next week and talk more about it. And since you've just seen Dune, it's a bit of an inspired pick. So that's Absolutely. good. Yeah, all right. Yep. All right. I'll give that a look and we'll come back next week and we will review that movie. But until then, this is Chris McBrien on behalf of Derek Meyer saying... Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 